Welcome to Speaking of Purpose. I'm Sona Kosla. Cancel culture. It's a loaded term. It's been used, misused, appropriated, and weaponized. It's become an increasingly contentious topic. So if the mere mention of the term gets your back up, I don't blame you. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable myself right now. But the reality is, we all run the risk of being canceled. And it's likely less a matter of if than a matter of when. Even though they say public speaking is the one thing most people fear, I would argue that for those of us who speak publicly, getting canceled is a bigger fear. So today, we're going to talk about cancel culture, specifically as it relates to companies and brands. We're in a new era where companies are trusted to be champions of social change, spreading goodness in the world and taking a stand against injustice and inequality. And as our trust in business grows, a sort of social contract emerges. We expect companies to do good, but we'll hold them accountable when they make mistakes. Companies haven't necessarily chosen to be in this position, but with the rise of stakeholder capitalism and a brighter spotlight on purpose-driven companies, aren't mistakes inevitable? So, what happens when a company gets cancelled for a public misstep? What can you expect? Who's responsible? And what can be done before, during, and after a cancellation? To help us wade through this difficult conversation, we're joined today by Whitney Daly, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Research Insights at Porter Novelli. You've probably heard us quote their research studies and statistics in our previous episodes. We're big fans here at Benevity. But for those of you who don't know the company behind the studies, Porter Novelli is a communications consultancy that helps companies build an authentic purpose and then live that purpose in the way that they operate and the way that they communicate. Whitney has studied cancel culture extensively and has some insight to share on how to deal with a public outcry directed at your company. And most importantly, how to avoid it altogether. She'll help us get comfortable with this growing phenomenon that makes us all a little uncomfortable. Today on Speaking of Purpose, why companies should get ready to get canceled. Speaking of Purpose is presented by Benevity, a technology and engagement platform that helps the world's most iconic brands bring purpose to life, based in Calgary, Canada. Daly has spent years studying how brands can build authentic cultures around a lived purpose. In recent years, the rise of social media, the increasing power of consumers and employees, and trust in business above all other institutions have put the ultimate stress test on companies as they navigate their place in addressing social change. In their recent research study, The Business of Cancel Culture, Porter Novelli dives into this growing phenomenon. But what exactly is cancel culture? And how does it differ from the more known phenomena of boycotting? Whitney explains the difference. You know, with cancel culture, we're really talking about the social media, the online conversation, the chatter around an entity that's really being driven by consumers or activist groups or even employees. This term has been co-opted, used different ways in, in recent months. But for this conversation and the purpose of our research was really to explore this tool 
that we really saw individuals using to express disappointment, dismay, even anger, and directly towards a company. I was digging in on this concept, and I found this article in the New York Times from 2018, and the New York Times called this a cultural boycott. And I think that that is pretty powerful. And again, there are many applications of this term cancel culture, I think, today. Um, but for this research, we really zeroed in on what is corporate cancel culture or you know, what, what we're looking at as this concept of growing stakeholder accountability. A cancel culture situation is different from a boycott. And this was something that got me really curious. Um, you know, I was like, oh, we have this great social data. Let's overlay this on the stock performance of these companies. And then we'll be able to show that it will have a financial consequence for brands as well. And I have to say, when we did this, the data that I got back was actually a disappointment because we really couldn't directly identify or attribute you know, a stock price dip as a result of an online conversation. You know, there might have been declines, but they were kind of mere blips on the radars for especially these big companies. But as a result of these cancellations, a lot of the companies that we looked at did take swift action to remedy the situation. So I think that's really the crux of the difference between a cancellation and a boycott. You know, a boycott seeks to hurt a company's bottom line, while a cancellation seeks to impact a company's reputation, and both of which I would argue have major ramifications for a company still. Whether it's going after a company's bottom line or their reputation, a public backlash of any kind can ultimately affect both. When a company makes a misstep on a social issue and feels the brunt of an online campaign against them, reputation or sentiment might be the first measure to be negatively impacted. But in the long term, if companies don't mitigate the reaction and take the necessary steps to correct the situation, the bottom line could follow closely. So how should a company react when they are facing a cancellation? So when it comes to kind of getting beyond a cancellation situation, um, our research found two top ways that Americans cited, you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll uncancel. One was for that company to make a public statement of apology, and two was for that company to clarify the situation. And we definitely saw this play out in the case studies that we did in this report. You know, a company can either stand by the situation or try and mitigate. And in comparing two examples, we found that in one instance, the brand stood by its misstep without explaining any further they continued to suffer negative online sentiment, whereas you know, the brand that took the mitigating steps directly after the cancellation bumped back into that positive sentiment uh, place. And the one thing I'll say is when a company comes to the table with a level of authenticity and can point to their values and their company purpose, this is not, not too scary because stakeholders are actually remarkably forgiving. They, this is not about putting a company out of business. It's not about obsolescence. This is really about improvement. That was the top response we get. Why are you canceling a brand? Because I want that company to improve its ways. So for brands that can go that step of acknowledging the mistake and committing to do better, they can come out of this situation in a better place too. At this point, you might be thinking, why say anything? If I'm going to end up putting myself, my company, 
our reputation at risk, and we'll have to apologize or explain a stance we've taken. Isn't it just better to stay silent? No statement, no risk. Well, not according to Whitney and the team at Porter Novelli. In our most recent study, the business and social justice study, um, we did we did look into communications and specifically, you know, what could be the impact of silence. And what we found is that six in ten, so fifty nine percent of individuals say. A, it's just no longer acceptable for companies to be silent on social justice issues. But I think the stat you're referencing, which is even more intriguing, is that 49% of individuals actually say they assume companies that remain quiet on social justice issues just don't care. So by not communicating around these issues, you know, you're you're basically indicating you know, that, that your organization doesn't care or even complicity in some cases. If you're not talking about it, the conversation is happening anyway um, without your brand being a part of it. Who would have thought that a time would come where silence is the most risky business decision? We often think of cancel culture in the context of being a contentious moment between companies and consumers, social media influencers, even other companies. But internal relationships are important too. Employees are just as, if not more, attuned to the way a company approaches taking a stand on societal issues. They can add enormous credibility to a cancellation or alternatively can come to the defense of a company that they feel is being misunderstood or misrepresented. Basecamp is a recent example of a brand that dealt with a wave of online anger when they announced that their employees would no longer be able to discuss political or social issues at work. When they didn't appropriately explain or mitigate the situation, employees lent credibility to the outrage by rejecting the new policies and resigning en masse. This is what it looks like to go beyond cancellation into boycotting. You know, employees have the option to self-select into the type of organization that they want to work for and also self-select out. So in the case, you know, of a recent example of this, you know, with Basecamp, that actually resulted in a third of its employees deciding that they would like to self-select out of that organization. So moves like this, I think, will continue to happen. And we'll see, brand, you know, companies that say this is not the type of space that we're creating for our employees. Um, but we also know that this is really contrary to what all of our employee research is telling us. Employees are just no longer willing to check their values at the door, and they expect their companies to engage in these issues. And in fact, you know, we just this earlier this month released a new study on business and social justice, and we found in that that 43% of current employees say that they are reconsidering their current job because their company is not doing enough to address social justice issues. So these decisions that some organizations are making are going to have real impacts on the types of talent that I think that they'll have access to in the future. Not taking a stance is, in fact, taking a stance. And that puts companies in a difficult position. CEOs who don't believe that addressing social issues is part of their job are quickly learning that it is. 
As Whitney said, six in 10 individuals now feel that it is unacceptable for a company to stay silent. The good news is, this isn't just an obligation with no benefit. In fact, when a company has authentic values and a proven commitment to purpose, taking a stand on social issues is seen as positive. It's a natural extension of who and what the company has always been. Brands that are continually changing their position, don't know what they stand for, don't have a purpose or a value statement, don't understand what their mission is, um, they're just going to find it harder to kind of navigate this. But an organization that does have that values-based foundation um, can lean into those values in tough situations, can use them those values as kind of guideposts or reference points. I'll give an example of this. Um, a brand like Ben & Jerry's who can say in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, smash white supremacy. And yes, there were likely people on social media that were angered by that statement. But Ben & Jerry's could point to its three-part mission, which includes its social mission, which it has had since the founding of the organization, basically. It can point to its work around racial justice, its work around closing the workhouse, its partnership with the Advancement Project. It can speak to Pecan Resist. And then it can go back to those that were angered and say, this really shouldn't surprise you if you know anything about our brand. So again, having those reference points, those guideposts can be really critical to kind of cancel proof your organization. In business, every day is election day. Stakeholders are watching companies closer than ever, but with that level of scrutiny comes great opportunity. The opportunity to have a voice in social change, to build an authentic corporate purpose, supported by a consistent public expression of your values, and to back up those statements with tangible action that your employees and consumers can engage and believe in. This is often referred to as the say-do gap. What is the distance between what you say and what you do? We all make mistakes, but if we're authentic in our purpose and true in our actions, we can close that gap, feel more comfortable accepting feedback, and continue to learn and grow as a result. And the more you close that gap, the more you can preempt, prevent, or recover from the inevitability of a cancellation. Thank you for joining us on Speaking of Purpose. Today's episode was created by the passionate team here at Benevity. Special thanks to Whitney Daly and our friends at Porter Novelli. Go to porternovelli.com to read more about how your company can create values-based communications. To listen to past episodes and get new episodes as soon as they're released, subscribe or follow Speaking of Purpose wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked today's episode, consider sharing it with a colleague or a friend. And come say hi to us on social media. Tell us what you thought about today's episode. You can also learn more about us at Benevity.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.